Welcome to Soul Rio, a church where God is made center, families made stronger, and lives restored. Today's sermon is entitled, My Church is Loving, presented by Pastor Jason Potter on June 10th, 2018. My name is Jason, and I love my church. It's not there. What's not there? Uh, my HR hiring profiles. Try refreshing your browser. It didn't work. It'll come back. I love my church. <laughs> so it's been a little while since I've been up here for a, a Sunday morning sermon. Here's a little, uh, little side note from that video. That was from a biblical series that was on television called AD. It was uh, about the book of Acts. And it was produced by a gentleman named Mark Burnett. He's done other biblical series before. He's done Christian movies. One of my very favorites of all time was Woodland. Well, he's here in town, or he's producing a show here in town called Messiah. Uh, the studios that I work for, um, we were 90% sure that this show was going to be coming to our studios. And I was so excited about it because, you know, after 12 years, all the, uh, the different garbage things that we've put out over the years. It felt good to finally get something that was coming that was going to actually glorify and honor God. And it didn't quite work out. They're still here in Albuquerque, but we didn't get them at our studio. So I'm a little disappointed about that. And that uh, has absolutely nothing to do with anything whatsoever. I just thought I'd share some randomness <laughs> with you this morning. Um, so as I've been preparing today for today, I've been getting more excited because it occurred to me that I've never, on a Sunday morning, I've never shared a message is completely based out of the Gospels, from the teachings of Jesus himself. Of course, at Underground, our youth group, we've done many series um, just like this, but on a Sunday, I, I have not had the opportunity yet to, to do a sermon that's mainly from the Gospel. And of course, every Bible in the, or every book in the Bible, I should say, points to the Gospel, points to Jesus and our need for a Savior. Um, but today, we're going to focus from, on a commandment that was directly given, directly from Jesus to his disciples, to his followers. Um, so that brings us to John chapter 13. If you're marking your Bibles or you're following along your Bibles, we're going to kind of spend the most of our time in, in John 13 um, today. But before we get there, before we dig into the scripture, um, th this series, I Love My, my Church, is... Uh, it's something that, that's very personal to me, and I hope it's personal to, to all of you as well. Uh, last week, when uh, we started this series, you know, the focus was our church as a, the church as a family, right? And Pastor Allen showed us where in the Bible that it defines who our family really is. And that was in Mark chapter 3, where Jesus said, Who are my mother and my brothers? Then he looked to those seated in a circle around him and said, Here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. And then he showed us in, in 1 Corinthians that our foundation of this family has already been laid in Jesus Christ. Other takeaways were that we're more than just a group of people, right? that we're stronger together, that together we reach more people for Christ, and we get to do together those very things that are in the pictures on our wall here, the gather, gain, and give. And as he was talking about all of this stuff and then about this family of ours, you know, just got me to thinking about some specific things over the past few years. Um, you know, for some examples that were personal to me, 
A few years ago, my daughter Shelby got in that really bad car accident. And by the time I got the news and I told my coworkers that I had an emergency that I had to leave for and I made it all the way down to this side of the town, so many of you were already there at the hospital uh, to see her and to support us. And, and as uh, over the next three or four months during her recovery, there, there was never a time that we were alone. There's always somebody from Sol Rio there when we were in need. Same was true last year when Michelle had her surgery. And right, literally a couple minutes before they took her into the OR, I started get, my phone started going crazy with all kinds of work drama, and I was stressing like crazy, and, and Alan was there in the waiting room with me the whole time, even though I was on the phone trying to deal with work stuff the entire time. He never left my side. And many of you over the next few days of her recovery were there for us, just bringing us whatever we needed and, and supporting us. And then last year when my mother-in-law passed away, right? These are, are just very... Uh, a few of my own examples. And I know that many, many of you have similar things to share, many experiences and stories where this family is very personal to you. So I pray that I Love My Church series becomes very personal for you. Even Michelle's family from Texas last year took notice. Her, her aunt, before they left town, made sure to tell us how lucky we are to have such a loving church family. And she's absolutely right. Those were her exact words. And that brings us to today's topic, which is love. Right? Today we're focused on the lovingness of the church. And the, the title of this message is called, My Church is Loving. And it's all about Jesus' value on people and the call that he puts on his church to love people in the same way that he does. And that's where we come to John chapter 13. So the setting here, we're going to start in verse 31. The setting here is the Last Supper before the crucifixion of Jesus. Verse 31, as soon as Judas left the room, Jesus said, the time has come for the Son of Man to enter into his glory, and God will be glorified because of him. And since God receives glory because of the Son, he will give his own glory to the Son, and he will do so at once. Dear children, I will be with you only a little longer. And as I told the Jewish leaders, you will search for me, but you can't come where I am going. Now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Simon Peter asked, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus replied, you can't go with me now, but you will follow me later. But why can't I come now, Lord? He asked, I'm ready to die for you. Jesus answered, die for me. I tell you the truth, Peter. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny three times that you even know me. Now, I know the, the version of the, uh, of the scripture that we just read aren't the, isn't from the same Bibles that are under your, your seats, not the same version of the Bibles that are under your chairs there. But I just love the way that the NLT version paints the picture of what's going on here. I love the way it just tells that story. Right, think about everything that the disciples are trying to absorb here. But remember... Right? They, don't have, they didn't have the same advantages that we have today. Right? The, the Holy Spirit had not yet been sent to every believer. God's plan for redemption had only been partially revealed to them. Right? They were witnessing it all play out in their very lives, but they could not see the full picture. Literally, the new covenant was being laid out right before them. Everything they knew about Scripture... And God's old covenant was being fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And they had so much to learn and very little time to learn it. 
So let's look at the, the major things that the disciples are trying to wrap their, their minds around here. Right, here they are at the Last Supper. And the, the passages before we, we began reading, it was just revealed that Judas was going to betray Jesus. Jesus delivered some very heavy news that it was his time to leave the earth. And Peter had just been called out for his impending denial of Jesus. Right, those are some really, really big events going on, and the disciples are trying to make sense of it. Has that ever happened to you? That you just have so much information being thrown at you, and it's kind of related, but it's kind of not. They're kind of separate, but they're related at the same time. And, and you're just like, what's going on here, man? What, what's really happening here? And so that, this is what these disciples are trying to, to wrap their minds around. And as we read the entire chapter, that whole story, and we put it all together, it's easy to overlook those two very important passages. The new commandment given to, to us from Jesus Christ himself. And that's verse 34. So now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. All right, so all that was from the disciples' point of view. From Jesus' point of view, right, everything he knew that he was going to have to face directly, everything that was coming at him head on, that he knew that he was going to have to endure. Right, betrayal and denial by, by men that he truly loved. And a brutal death. And what was he concerned about during this time? Love. The we love each other. That was what was on his mind, on, on his heart. In Matthew 16, after Peter verbally recognized that Jesus was the Messiah, the Son of the living God, Jesus told Peter that he is the rock that he would build his church upon. Now, obviously, it's not a physical rock that a church building was going to go on, but the church being God's people, right? The faith that Peter had showed in Jesus right in that moment, that was the rock that Jesus was going to build in his entire church upon. The faith and knowledge of who Jesus Christ is. Jesus personally established the church and he loves the church more than we can ever comprehend. He values his people so much that we, his church, are referred to as his bride. Right? We are the bride of Christ. Jesus loves the church and the church loves Jesus. It's kind of the foundation of what we believe, right? The love of Jesus. Our faith in God should be solely based on our love for Jesus. There aren't many things that are more confusing to me than when people give up on their faith because of the faults of other people. There's a gentleman that I used to serve on the board with at a, at a local Little League named Mike. He, he actually became a pretty good friend of mine. And we began playing softball together and, and all this stuff. And, and before a softball game, he shared with me that he went to TCU, which is Texas Christian University. He was, I don't remember what the conversation was. He was excited about a football player that came out of that school or something. And, and, um, and I had no idea that he had went there and he had graduated from, from that college. So I asked him, I said, well, I didn't know that. I said, are you a Christian? And he said that he used to be, but not anymore because he's seen too much within the church. And then he was t talking about the way the people treated each other and the way the people within the church sinned. Right? And sometimes they sinned in the name of God. And I don't doubt his stories. You know, I don't disbelieve what he was saying. But I just didn't get it. I didn't get how, how the way that other humans were acting was going to affect his faith in God. So now he believes that there's a higher power, right? but he doubts the God of the Bible. 
because of the people that have let him down. Not God, but people. I honestly can't comprehend that line of thinking one bit. It's like being mad at your dog when she realized that her, her offspring is nothing but a bunch of skunks. Isn't that right, Alan? <laughs> now that absolutely made no sense whatsoever. That was my best attempt to work an Alanism into the sermon. <laughs> Michelle actually called it an Alanism gone wrong. <laughs> we love you, Alan. Um, but it, it's Christ that values us so much that he gave his life to redeem us. Right? It's not the people who make up the body of church that did this. It's Christ. And that in itself should only increase our faith in who he is. No matter what the sins of his servants are. It's actually the imperfection of people that draws us to Christ for redemption. Right? The people that I go to church with, that's you, right? are imperfect human beings that need a savior and you know exactly where to look to find such a person. Jesus Christ. Right? The staff of this church are imperfect human beings who are in need of a savior and know where to look to find that person. I am an imperfect human being who needs a savior and I know where to find that person in Jesus Christ. Right? What a perfect match for a church. A bunch of people who need a savior and have found one. Wow, imagine that. Our sinful nature, though, allows us to be discouraged by the behaviors of others. And all too, all too often, people use that as a measuring stick of their faith. And then that starts leading to other excuses that, uh, that we have valid reasons to be discouraged with the, the church and to start separating ourselves from this church. But our spirit should be encouraged by these same very things because in the end, it just leads to another Jesus redemption story. And that is something to be celebrated. Now for me, just the... the the uh, idea of redemption is very confusing, or it can be confusing, because we're redeemed once and only once by the death of Christ. Right? His perfect sacrifice was sufficient for our lifetime worth of sins. He only had to die once, and it covers us forever. Right? We accept him as our personal savior, and our salvation is permanent, and it's irrevocable. So in regards to salvation... It's a one-time thing. Yet we continue to sin all the time. And repentance of those sins leads to being redeemed by Jesus' forgiveness again and again. And again and again and again. Right? So how can that be? Right? It's so confusing. Now, I don't have a seminary degree. Right? The current program I'm on right now, I still have like three years just before I even make it that far. But sometimes... The more I understand about theology, the more confusion I'm left with. Right? But it's an exciting confusion. Right? It's not, uh, it doesn't lead to frustration because we're incapable of understanding something. It's exciting because God and his word continues to reveal things to our hearts and our minds that are too glorious to fully understand, at least on this side of heaven. And I'm confused because the greatness of God is what's so baffling. How can the works of God be so simple, yet so complex at the very same time? So we've been redeemed once and only once from the eternal consequences of our sins. And we look forward to spending eternity with Jesus because of that. 
but we're constantly being redeemed from our sins on a daily basis as, as God continues to mold us into the people that he created us to be. He just doesn't say, they're done, saved. Right? Friend John, you're saved, I'm done. On to the next person. One more for team Jesus. Right? He continues to love us and he builds us because we are his church and he has chosen to love his church. We are his people and Jesus values his people in perfections and all. And as we've seen from our opening scripture today, that he calls us to value his people in the very same way. Another gentleman named Todd, he used to, uh, he used to be my boss at Long John Silver's years and years ago. Right? And he became a friend of mine, and I went many, many years without speaking with him. In a very sad situation a couple of years ago, prompted a phone call between the two of us, and we were just sharing with each other and just kind of uh, catching up on, uh, on the years that have gone by. And I shared with him all the things that God is doing in my life, specifically here at Sol Rio. And he shared it with me. He, he kept telling me, that's so great, Potter. I'm so excited for you. They all called me Potter. Um, he says, I'm, I'm so excited for you, Potter. That's so great. That's so exciting. I'm really happy for you. And he shared with me about one time when he was in his truck and he gave his life to Jesus. He said, I was driving home from work and I just asked Jesus into my heart and it felt so good and it was so great and I've never felt anything like it. And he just talked going on about how good it felt. And I said, wow, Todd, I had no idea. I said, what church do you go to? He says, church? Why do I need to go to church? And he, com- he got really defensive real fast. He like d- did a complete 180 on me. He says, show me in the Bible where it says that I need to go to church, and then I'll go to church. But I don't need to go to church. And I, I kind of froze in that moment, honestly. I was taken back. I-, I didn't know where this was coming from all of a sudden. And-, and I didn't know what to tell him. I didn't have an answer for him. But what I wish I would have told him is that if we're going to truly love and value the people the way that Christ did, then we do need the church. We need each other. And knowing him, he might have argued back that he loves plenty of people the way that Christ did. Probably referring to family, friends, co-workers, you know, the people immediate in, his immediate, uh, um, in his immediate reach. But on the greatest sermon ever delivered by Jesus himself, the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew 45, listen to what Jesus says. If you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even, tax, or even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you are kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. We are called to love all people. And in that way, Jesus says, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. Being part of the church is to focus on loving others. It takes the focus off me, myself, and I. I've heard this argument before, too. I am a spiritual person. I believe in God, I read my Bible, but I don't need church. Sheesh, way to make it all about yourself. Right, what does it even mean to be a spiritual person? Right, uh, all kinds of people have some concept on what that looks like. My current boss had a personal trainer that was very spiritual. I know, I'm using a lot of air quotes here, I apologize for that. <laughs> right, but he had this personal trainer that was very spiritual because he meditated every day and he was in touch with the universe, whatever that means. Right? It had nothing to do with the relationship with Jesus. It was all about himself and what he considers necessary for a healthy spirit. Well, we are all spiritual. Right? It's impossible not to be. That's just the nature of creation. See Genesis chapter 2. We were all created to have a spirit as the core 
of our very being. And no matter what one's views are, the truth is, is that God created each of us with the Spirit, and nothing we can do can separate from that. It's who we are. The amount of time you spend simply reading through a Bible or attending church for an hour every week or two doesn't make you any more spiritual than... uh, I totally said that wrong. See what happens when I I stick to my notes too much? (laughs) Yeah. Or when I stray away from my notes. The amount of time you, you spend simply reading through your Bible doesn't make you any more spiritual than just simply attending church for a, a, an hour every week or two. Being filled with the Holy Spirit is what Jesus offers. Once we accept him as our Savior, we are indwelt with the Holy Spirit. And gathering with the body of Christ gives us the opportunity to be obedient to those very things that you read about in the Bible. Right, those other commands that Jesus gave us. Love your neighbors, which we know aren't our next door neighbors are the people in our neighborhood. Right? Our neighbors are everybody that we can possibly come into reach into contact with. Love your nature, love your neighbors, care for the less fortunate, share the good news of accepting salvation. All those important commands. Right? It's it's our love for the church. It's in our love for the church that we have the opportunities to do those very same things. We can't do it on our own. Sure we can give money to worthy causes. And we should give money to worthy causes. But think of a time that you spent your time, that you've, you, you've invested time in serving in a Christ-like way. Did you do it alone? Or were other members of Christ's body alongside with you? Right, real social justice comes from the church. The Bible doesn't call for governments to satisfy social justice needs. God calls the church to do it. It's the job of God's people. It's our job. God cares about what's in our hearts and how we make a difference in the world is an individual calling that gets multiplied within the church. So many of these social justice warriors, I'm going to use them again, I'm sorry. So many of these social justice warriors <laughs> right, that we see on the news or, or the ones that are making all the noise on the internet They don't do anything to solve the problems of the world one bit. All they do is demand that the government do the work. (coughs) That we have legal policies in place to address these things. That we pay more taxes to have more money available for more programs to address these very problems that God calls his people to address. And we need each other to do it. We need the church. Church is not Sol Rio. But Sol Rio is a church where we can come together and express our love for God's people. So we need the church to value and love people as Christ did. Right? But even with the church, we're not always very good at it, are we? Now, I'm not trying to bash our efforts one bit. I truly believe that many things that we do are obedient and pleasing to God. Right? Many of our acts are spirit-led and full of unconditional love. They have to be. Right? We see too many fruits of the Spirit working right here in our community, right here in our church, for that to not be a true statement. God's got his hands all over this place. I, I know that in my heart. I believe that. But there are also moments when our love becomes conditional. And it's usually when we begin to focus on our own imperfections or the imperfections of others. And that's not intentional. 
Right? Most of us really, really want and desire to love others as God wants us to. Right? That's a real desire. That's not just lip service. But we don't. We can't. Right? We are incapable of completely loving the way that Christ does. At least in this world we are. It's that sin virus that keeps us from loving people like we ought to. So what can we do about it? Because we won't ever be without imperfections. Not one single, not one of us. And we won't ever be without sin. Right? Not a one of us. But the Lord that we serve is. Right? He is perfect. He is sinless. And he will never forsake us or give up on us. Those are promises from the Bible. It's his strength that we can draw from every moment of every day. It's his strength that we should draw from in every moment. And other than the Bible, what better way can we be reminded of that than through each other, through the church? Through the body of Christ. So let's commit to that this morning. Right here this morning, let's commit that we will continue to be the church, imperfections and all. And if you know someone who might be distancing themselves from the church for some of these same reasons because of the imperfections of those around us, of us, one of the things that that drew me to to Sol Rio in the early days is is, uh, Pastor Dan used to always say, you know, if you're a perfect person, then just leave. You're going to mess the rest of us up because nobody is perfect here. But so many people distance themselves from us because of those imperfections. So if you know someone who might be going through that, call them, right? Remind them that this is a place where they will be loved. And we're not always going to get it right. They're not going to be loved perfectly or the way that they always need to be loved. We're not going to always know how to do that. Right? We're going to mess that up. But it's a place that together we can work through those things because love conquers everything. The love of Christ will always overcome every imperfection that we find ourselves in. So let's continue to strive towards being the body of Christ that God has called us to be. And along the way, let's continue to accept his grace and his forgiveness and to pass on that forgiveness every step of the way. Let's pray for those things right now. Father God, we thank you that you give us the church, Lord. We thank you that you give us the church in every sense and the, the sense that we do have a physical building that we can come to and we can take care of and we can use to honor you. Lord, we thank you for the, the people of the church that you give us, not only in this building, but the communities around us, all those that come together to worship in your name, Lord, that, that want to make a difference in this world, that want to love on one another, to glorify you and to learn from you and to do things the way that you did. Lord, thank you for your forgiveness that you're always going to be there for us every time we mess it up. Thank you for your grace. Lord, we ask that you help us to show others that same grace. We ask that you help us to, to be accepting of that grace and not be so hard on imperfections of ourselves or, or others. And we just ask that you use us in every way, Lord, that you humble us and, and bring us to, to be the servants that you created us to be. Lord, help us to not live for ourselves, but to live for those others. Lord, your glory is what we strive for. And it's through your strength and your love that we can achieve that, that you can achieve that through us. 
So we just ask for that humbleness, Lord. We ask for that, uh, that submission to you and your will. And we just pray for all those who, who might not see it right now, who might be, be frustrated with imperfections, who, who might be pushing away from the church, Lord. We just ask that you, you restore that, you restore their hearts, you bring them to, to a place where, where they just can, can forgive and look to forgive and see where they need to be forgiven and just allow us to be your people in the way that you call us to be. We pray for this in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening, and we pray you were blessed by today's message. You're invited to worship with us Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. For directions and information about Soul Rio and our weekly events, please visit our website at soulrio.com. You may also contact us by phone at area code 505-792-8737 or email us at info at soulrio.com. At Soul Rio, we're a community of followers of Jesus Christ, committed to live by faith, to be known by love, and to be a voice of hope to our community. We invite you to go with us on this journey.